Hello, this is Joshua, and this is the Vicinity Ministries podcast. And we're looking at today um, the passage of scripture we're going to be looking at is going to be uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 41. We're going to go through verse 46 and read through. Um, in fact, we'll go through verse 47. And look at the power of a loving church. And I think it uh, it helps us. Um, you know, right now it is is April the 6th of 2020, um, you know, in the middle of a very difficult time for our country, uh, for our communities with the coronavirus pandemic going on. And, um, and we're all looking for answers. We're all kind of wondering, have a different, uh, different feelings, different thoughts of what, you know, what is to come and, and things of the sort. So when we look at, at the things that we seek, it's and times such as these, but even before the pandemic, um, people are always searching. We are a people who seek certain things. Some people search for the best uh, job, the, the best life at their, um, that fits within their ideology. There's a lot of things that we're always seeking, and a lot of it has to do um, with power. Uh, for uh, those who work in the, the corporate field, you know that the power, the love of power and control and greed is strong. Um, we know that those things have caused wars. Those things have ripped across a nation, ripped apart nations, rather, and families and relationships and different things. But there's a certain amount of power that is the uh, the good side. I'm going to start to sound like the uh, Star Wars here, but it's the good side. Um, the um, Not the dark side of power, but there's a flip side to it, and it's the power that comes from God. I believe, um, through what I see in Scripture, is that the power of God is bestowed upon uh, His people. When that happens collectively, we would say that the power of God is bestowed upon the church, right? Um, Acts chapter 2 um, is a is a monumental chapter in God's word uh, because it has, um, it begins and it talks to us about the Pentecost. Um, But we're actually on the very bottom part of that chapter um, in chapter two and, and the Pentecost, uh, the Holy spirit that came, uh, that was to bring power. Jesus talked about in Acts chapter one. He said, when the Holy spirit comes upon you, you receive power uh, to be my witnesses. And so it's very fitting for us to look at this passage of Scripture and talk about whenever we are um, receiving uh, God into our lives, whenever we're living in the way in which we ought to and, uh, and following God with all that is within us, there is, as we do that collectively, hand in hand with one another. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about denominations necessarily. We all have our different denominations. But I'm talking about the body of Christ collectively coming together and say, we are with Jesus, and, and the mind that is in Christ is in us as well. When that happens, we're going to read about this uh, here in a second in Acts chapter 2, beginning verse 41. When that happens, there is a degree of power that comes upon his people. We look here in the book of Acts, and again, I'm going to read this, and then uh, if you're following along in your in your Bible, it's a good, it's a good uh, place to put notes for sure. But we read these words in, in Acts chapter 2, beginning verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message and were baptized, um, and about 3,000 uh, were added to their number that day. Now, this, the context here is you have Peter um, who's talking and, and um, talking to the different people who are um, who are the, the Israelites. And, and now you know Christ has ascended into heaven. 
the Pentecost has come. It's this new, um, this new time to follow Jesus, and and he's he's reaching out. And what we kind of certainly see is it's the beginning of the church um, post Christ and post um, Pentecost, beginning to be formed and beginning to grow. And so, verse forty-one: those who accepted his message were baptized, and about three thousand were added to their number that day. Three thousand people added to the church. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so we, we see this passage of Scripture, and what we're looking at is essentially the first church of Jerusalem, right? Um, the Pentecost was um, has been fulfilled. It was, it was um, talked about by Jesus before he ascended into heaven in the previous chapter in Acts chapter 1. But we look at this church, and this church had amazing, amazing power. Um, I, I talk about my, my family often in my messages, and, and I have a, my youngest son, Micah, uh, who is uh, just turned seven back in February. Micah is he's wanting to play baseball, and uh, we're moving stuff around the house today, and we're moving these books, and he says, Dad, I want to help you move books. I'm like, that'd be great, because I don't want to move all these books. And so he's helping me, and he says, do you know why I'm, I'm, I want to help you move books, Dad? And I said, because you love your father? No, that's not it. Oh, okay. And he, he said, I want to help you move books because I want to get strong that way I can throw the baseball super far. I, I want to be able to throw a baseball, um, you know, and, and, and just watch it fly through the air. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Well, that's good. You know, build your arm. He wants that power. He wants that strength. This church had power. It, it was undeniable. The church was moving in such a way that, that the power of God was evident in these people. But what was happening? What, what gave this church so much power? What, what made it to what it was to where the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved? Well, we look at this, and if you're taking notes, uh, the first thing would be, first and foremost, they absolutely loved the Lord. It says in that passage of Scripture we read, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Uh, one, one version says that they, they gladly received his word and were baptized. They responded to the message of God's word, of, of, of the God's message of love and of the gospel. They evidenced their love for God through baptism. People were being baptized, and they were praising God. They loved the Lord. And there are many times, especially in the world that we live in, that, that love is construed to mean a whole host of different things. But the very purest form of love is the love that we see that comes from God to us. For God so loved the world. I preached a sermon one time, um, and it was just on the word so. For God so loved the world. I actually preached that. I made that sermon because my grandfather, who's a pastor, he's a retired pastor now, um, 
Yeah, we've talked about that. I want to. I want to talk about that word. So, for God so loved the world, and and I believe that as we experience God's love into our lives, that 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 love begins to overflow from us. But but at the same time, that as much as God has loved us, it makes us love Him all the more. Where would you ever be without God? What would your life be like? What would be a part of it? What what things are are, you know, I mean, absolutely undeniably different in your life, all because the Lord stepped in and showed his love upon you. These people love the Lord. They experienced God in such a wonderful way. They followed him. They loved him. They gave their lives to them. They were baptized to show their love for Christ. Baptism in Matthew chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, it shows that baptism is following, is a way of following Jesus. Baptism is also a part of obeying Jesus. Matthew chapter 28, that's part of the Great Commission. And the last part of that chapter, it talks about baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here, what we see in Acts chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 41, it's a way that they identified themselves with Jesus even after Christ had died, even after he had resurrected, even after he had ascended. They, bapt, they were baptized and identified with this man named Jesus, who had radically changed their life. What a beautiful, beautiful display. So first, the first thing that we see is that they loved the Lord. The second thing we see is, is that they also loved one another. We always love one another in the church, right? There would never be anything to come between us and others in the church. But we read this, we see in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That to fellowship, um, they loved one another in the apostles, uh, the apostles' teaching. This was that discipleship piece. They loved God. They loved discipleship. They loved that iron sharpens iron moment. We are all in this together. We should always view it as such. Can you follow Jesus by yourself? It'd be really hard to. The Bible talks about not forsaking the assembling together. I believe that to be part. Uh, of the uh, the body of Christ is to be part of the whole body of Christ. Uh, that means that no denomination can stand by itself and say, hey, we're it. It's us or nothing. It means that no person can stand by themselves and say, hey, I'm following Jesus. I don't need anyone else to be beside me. Um, they They loved one another. They loved to have that moment in those times where they were breaking um, breaking open, the word of God and hearing this doctrine, this um, uh, this message of Jesus, and to, to learn how to follow Christ, and that this mind that's in Christ is in us. We have to learn about Jesus in order to have that experience. They love to gather to hear God's word. Today, there's kind of a tendency to gather less. Right now, you know, during this pandemic, uh, churches everywhere are unable to meet. Um, all the shelter-in-place orders that we see, but yet people are finding a way. And why is that? Why why are why are people um, why are people so adamant? Why are pastors learning how to do Facebook Live and all these things? Why is all why are all these things happening? It's because the people love one another. Remember, I was talking about that love of God that overflows. It, it over it God's love is so prominent, is so such an awesome, uh, amazing thing that not only does it fill our cup, not only does it overflow, but as it does, it overflows to our neighbors, to our friends. Uh, to our family members. They loved one another. They did it in, in the teaching. They also did it in fellowship. 
this is a great reason to gather to worship um, is, is because we get to worship alongside of our brothers and sisters in Christ. I long for the day uh, when we finally, I finally get to go and see people face to face as opposed to on a video screen and give a handshake, give them a hug, just talk with them and be in their presence. That fellowship is such a vital piece of our walk with God. I think sometimes we um, we take for granted that, or we we kind of overstep that, or or um, I'm sorry, or rather rather we we kind of ignore that. It, you know, the fellowship piece, um, and and you tie that in with doctrine, uh, the teaching side of it. We the, the the scripture has has made it to where we are a a people that should hold each other accountable. We all need accountability partners. We all need someone that's there to pray for us, um, to lift us up, and as we're doing the same thing with them. And so that that fellowship is such a, a big part. They also did so in breaking of bread. So in apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, the sharing the communi- communion and remembering Christ's death, um, it speaks of Christ's love that happened at the cross and God's power that happened at the resurrection. Um, and then also in prayers, it says breaking of bread and a prayer. Um, and the prayers, you know, I was talking, this is kind of a side note. This is absolutely free. All right, side note. I was talking with someone the other day, and uh, and they said, man, I just, I really, I just really had this issue with someone. And it wasn't even them. It was just me. It was just my my own emotions getting uh, tied up and stuff. And, and they said, man, I just didn't. I didn't know how to get past some of those things. I didn't know how to go from just not caring for that person to truly loving that person because Christ loved me. And they they told me, they said, you know, what I started to do is I started to pray for them. And that's a good habit. If there's someone in your life right now, you're like, boy, if I never see that person again, praise the Lord, right? A good way to overcome that is to begin praying for them. It's really, really hard to dislike someone when you're praying for them. It starts to turn our hearts. It starts to soften it. It starts to make us uh, not have bitterness. It turns that bitterness into a burden for them. And so uh, I thought that was a great thing. But we we um, we look at that. The, the disciples here, um, this new church, uh, they loved one another. They prayed for one another. It's one way that they showed it. The last point that we see is that they loved lost people. I always say it's hard to be full of Jesus without being full of his mission. We look at churches today, and there are many of them out there, right? There's a, there's a church around every corner. But our churches are dying. We, we don't always have all the answers. There's a lot of books. I saw a, a book the other day that said, uh, you know, it was something like uh, 10 Reasons why your church isn't growing and how you can turn it around. This book will change everything. And I thought, you know, it's bigger than that. It's messier than that. When we look across our churches, one thing that we see, you know, we, we used to see rather, we used to see the glory of God move in such a way that our altars were lined and people were finding Christ as their Savior. Uh, Phineas Brzee, who's the founder of the Nazarene Church, he said that he, he wanted to pray to where so uh, passionately that the heavens would open and the glory of God would fall. I, I think 
I don't know that our church longs for the glory of God to the point that they would truly be burdened for lost people. Now, I do think every church, if you talk to them, I think most churches in America, most people, most Christians would say, oh, yeah, I think I would love to see people come in and get saved. And I believe that they they truly feel that way. But but there's there's this barrier when it comes to truly being uh, inconvenienced to make that happen. It becomes a different story. These this church it was a it, they received power because they loved the Lord because they loved one another but also because they loved lost people. It says in verse forty three everyone was filled with awe at. Um, at the many wonders and sign that, signs that were performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. There was a strong, strong unity that was there. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That shows that the compassion that they had. And it said every day, uh, this would be verse 45 in Acts chapter 2, uh, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to the church daily. Sometimes I want, I don't, you know, I don't, um, you could probably build a little bit of a case, but I, I sometimes wonder or worry, perhaps. The reason why we don't see the Lord adding to our numbers daily because our churches are, do not have the hospitality that is needed for a new Christian, or perhaps for someone who isn't even saved yet, hasn't accepted Christ as their Savior. It's a messy, that we, we don't talk about that a lot, it's a messy thing to do. Someone come into our church who, don't, who doesn't look like us, doesn't sound like us. We want them to get saved, and by the time they stand up from the altar, they're already conformed to dressing like us, and using the perfect language, and watching all the good TV shows, and all of that. But that's not how that's not how things work. That's not how people change. It's not how they grow. I just don't know that our churches always understand that. I I look at I I look at I know there's a there's a family that I know and they do a lot of fostering and uh, they 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 foster a lot of a lot of uh, teenagers, uh, those who are you know, often left out, and um, and I was talking with them, and I just said, you know, um, what do you? I mean, you, you don't know. You know, some some of the teenagers are uh, have addiction problems. Some of the teenagers uh, come in, and they they do other. There's some that are eight, nine, ten years old. A lot of different. Um, I don't know what you call it, baggage. I guess we'll say baggage. A lot of different, a lot of different kinds of baggage that comes in uh, to their home, and uh, and is just so rooted in some of these young individuals and i was talking to him i said man how do you how do you uh how do you weigh all that how do you how do you um you know work through some of those variables and and the the guy was just such a an amazing i mean this this person is just a, an amazing christian um truly devoted follower of jesus and he says you know i look at at these kids that come in and he talked about the one uh, that is there now, and and uh, they're actually thinking about going through with adoption and stuff. But he said, you know, I I love that person more than I hate what's wrong. 
and more that I just like what's wrong. So my love for these kids is stronger than what is the matter. And I thought, what, what a great, what a great example of Jesus. You know, Jesus did that to us, didn't he? When we were saved, we didn't, we, we didn't all look good and sound good and look like a Christian and dress like a Christian, all those things. But we all, some of us had some terrible baggage. Some of it we left at the altar when we were saved. Others, we, we had to study God's word and have that, that uh, discipleship uh, part to show us what was, what was the, uh, the right thing to do and the right way to live. But Jesus looked at us and said, I don't care what's the matter. I just, wanna, I just love this person. I want to see if their life changed. I think if this church carried that same demeanor, that same passion, that same love, they loved lost people. The, the whole church is to be a team to reach the world. And I believe that. We are always better together. You know, there's, um, there's, uh, we, we live in a world with a lot of division. There's a lot of division in our country. There's a lot of division, you know, on Facebook. I go to Facebook, I go to these pages, and some of them are, are pastors' pages and Christians' pages, and man, just some of the arguing that goes on. And once they want to debate about all these things, and at the end of the day, a lot of it doesn't even matter. Um, just very uh, breadcrumb sort of issues. But I look at this and I think, boy, we we have to come. This church here. And Acts is, a, is, is the example, is what we see in God's Word. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They came together because of their love for the Lord, the love for one another, and the love for lost people. And I look at it and I ask the question, you know, what, what did this, what did this drew this church in Jerusalem? What did it have that, that perhaps we lack? The power of a loving church. It, it, we can we can sit and we do this a lot. I I remember sitting in some board meetings and and I remember talking to some of my staff and I've talked to other pastors before and we talk we'll talk for hours I mean hours. Now what's wrong with our church and what's going to go on? Well this needs to change and and sister so and so and brother so and so and all and I I look at it where is the power. I believe God's powerful, don't you? I believe that he can move mountains. I believe he can save souls. I believe he can. Uh, he's still in the miracle business. I believe that God's unchanging. I believe everything we see that happens that God does in Scripture, uh, I think it can happen today. Because I believe in that God is, is and or was and is and is still to be unchanging. So if we know that God's power is not diminished, especially here in Acts chapter 2, this is right after the Pentecost, you receive power because it comes upon you. If God is unchanging and God is all-powerful, it's not him who's changed, it's not his power who's what is diminished, it has to be with us, right? I think there are some things that perhaps the church needs to repent of. Things like divided spirits. Things such as Putting, putting matters above the mission of Christ um, that had no place of, of holding that kind of weight in the church. I've seen people, I remember I was, I was pastoring a church, and they always talked about the thermostat. You know, 
um, this is it's kind of a joke, but it's really what was going on is um, the the people, the older or just the people in general who had uh, high blood pressure were always hot. Man, it's it's too hot in here. Let's turn the air conditioner on. We need to adjust that thermostat down a couple of degrees. And then you had some of the congregation who were taking blood thinners and they were always cold. Oh man, it's too cold in here. I'm freezing. I get my jacket. We need to turn that thermostat up a couple of degrees. And uh, man, I got so tired. I remember I stood up and I said, you know, if you win one person to Christ, I will, I will then grant you one conversation uh, with me about the thermostat, and I will hear your your plea for change. But until that happens, let's let's focus on on what's the matter. This power of the loving church. When, when I look at this, I see that these people were walking uh, by the way of holiness. They wanted God's teaching. They wanted uh, they wanted to hear from God and God's word and and to be edified and be built up and to be shown the way to walk in all the light that they possibly could. They wanted to walk together in unity and have that fellowship that was uh, that was such a vital part. They wanted to break bread with one another. They wanted to pray. They wanted to do all these things. Because they were walking, by the way, you know, the holiness, the well, simplest explanation of holiness that I could ever give is to allow God's progressive work in your life. Today, if you uh, take whatever day today is for you, for me right now, it's April the 6th of 2020. But today in your walk with God, it's where you are. It's point A. Well, God's taking you on a course and a path to point B. Once you get to point B, he'll continue to grow you and shape you and mold you into a better person to point C, to point D, to point E. And it's allowing God to do that is what I believe holiness means, that surrenderment unto God to the point that not only, Lord, do what you want, but Father, I'm going to do my part too. And I think what we see here in the the this book in the book of Acts here in chapter two in this church are people walking by the way of holiness, allowing God to have his progressive work in their lives. There's a deeper devotion. There's a deeper commitment that is out there. Let me ask you this, and I'll close with this for uh, we're uh, we're concerned to push our time here. Are you satisfied with your walk with God? Are you happy with your level of devotion for uh, toward uh, things such as prayer and Bible reading and fellowship and uh, you know uh, church and worship? Are you happy with serving God as much as you do? These people, I think they, if this church continued with what we see right now in, in the Acts chapter 2, these people were living with no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Living as close to God as they are. They were. It'd be a shame to get um, to our deathbeds and say, boy, I wish I would have done more for God. I put so much emphasis on the job. I've got so much emphasis on having the good house and the good cars and all that stuff. I missed it. I wish I did more for Christ. That's what matters right now. The power of the loving church. It, 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 I'm talking about the church collectively. 
I'm talking about each person. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. And challenging us to look at the scripture and say, you know, I want to be a person that truly loves the Lord. I want to be a person who loves my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want to be a, pe- a person who loves lost people. To the point that it takes me deeper in my walk with God, stronger in my relationships with my brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, and to the point that I'm inconvenienced to win people for Jesus, that I have such a burden and such a passion that it doesn't matter uh, about some of the petty things in the church. We'll do whatever we have to do, be as convenienced as we need to be inconvenienced to win that soul for Jesus. It's the power of a loving church. It starts with you. It starts with me. You draw a circle around you, yourself and you say, Lord, may the revival start here. If you want to um, read a little bit more, um, you can read Acts chapter 1 and, ver- and chapter 2 together and then, uh, and then listen to this uh, podcast again. I encourage you to... Uh, to do so and um, and take this to heart for sure. All right. Thank you for listening. This has been a Vicinity Ministries podcast with Joshua Cook.